The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, but it's a bit different. Mm. It's Friday the 27th of March 2020, and America is screwed. Hello, I'm still Gary, and uh, this is the 9pm His Plague Diary episode 3. I almost didn't record this podcast today. In fact, I, I said I wasn't going to because last time I recommended limiting your news intake. I still think that's good advice. And today on Twitter, I asked all the media, TM, uh, to limit their output. Not all of you, I said, have to do coronavirus all of the time. It's going to be a long haul, frightening. So, we need something to enjoy once we've drunk our fill from the fire hose each day. So please consider whether you're adding anything new or valuable to the mix. So is this podcast adding anything new or valuable to the mix? I don't know. You tell me. Anyway, today was day 10 of my isolation. I'm going to count it from when I returned to Bunjeri Cottages in the Blue Mountains from some time away. And, and that's kind of the day I stopped going out for anything but essential trips. Today is Friday, day 10. But on Wednesday, I went shopping in Wentworth Falls, the, the nearby village. Schwartz's Bakery is normally packed at lunchtime. But this week, all the tables were taped off. There were just three other customers apart from me and the store, and, and two of them were a couple, and, and we were all standing well apart. Uh, there were Easter bunnies on all of the tables, and they were just looking so sad because the tables were empty. And then I caught the train a few kilometres up the hill. I'm in the rear car of a four-car V-set train, the purple train. Um, Double-deck car. There's three other people, two of them are long-distance travellers who are asleep. Uh, up in the next car, well, before you get to the next car, there's some kid bunking off school, having a sly cigarette, uh, standing in the gap between the two cars. The rest of the train looks pretty empty, and at this time of day, uh, you would normally have a bunch of tourists making their way up to the Blue Mountains. This is a tourist destination and normally once we'd get to Katoomba there'd be I don't know a hundred, hundred and fifty people get off every train around lunchtime like this one perhaps more on on a sunny day uh, but no, no tourists nearly everyone who alighted at Katoomba uh, was a local you could tell. Nearly all of them were walking alone. It was quiet too. No one was talking to each other. And uh, there was like maybe 16, 18 people getting off the train all up. Deathly, deathly quiet.
In the streets themselves, well, uh, the Blue Mountains Visitor Centre is closed, as of course are the pubs. Uh, the Blue Haze Coffee House and Restaurant, that had a big Felice sign on it. Now that place I think had been struggling for a long time and I think its closure dates back a bit. But there's been places empty on the main drag of Katoomba for ages, including two shops in prime corner positions right opposite the railway station and uh, the Paragon Cafe, which is a, a classic uh, art deco place. It's been closed for ages. There's going to be clearly so many more. Uh, there weren't many people in the street. Uh, I saw an old bloke with a walking stick uh, walking slowly towards the bank and he coughed like a, a long-term smoker and a passerby who'd been keeping his distance just shouted at him, cover your mouth when you cough, you dickhead. Australia. The shopping centre was pretty quiet, of course. Uh, at the pharmacy, there was a red line on the floor so that customers couldn't get more than the magic metre and a half uh, uh, from the counter. Uh, all the staff wearing masks uh, and gloves. Uh, and over where you paid for your uh, purchases, there was a stack of uh, sanitary wipes saying, please use these to wipe the FPOS machine, uh, all of its buttons, uh, every time buttons are pressed. Inside the Coles supermarket, once more, little meat, no eggs, no toilet paper and all those paper products. Potatoes and onions have returned, but there's still no soap, no rice, only a tiny amount of pasta. There was obviously a couple of boxes of one specific brand of, of one specific type of pasta. Uh, also still no canned tomatoes or tomato-based pasta sauces, no hand wash or hand sanitizer, except really top shelf brands of the, of the hand wash, you know, the stuff that's more than $16 a bottle. Now, normally strangers at least say hello or smile uh, because it's a friendly kind of country town, but there was none of that. Everyone was quiet, thinking their own thoughts. No one was wearing masks yet that I noticed, apart from some of the staff, but yeah, that can't be far away. Ben Rao says uh, at his uh, local Coles, they filled up the empty toilet paper and tissue section with Easter eggs. Uh, now, I know some people will probably complain about Coles's action there. I mean, really? If there's no stock for those shelves, you might as well fill them up with something that people you know, can buy. Leaving them empty won't magically make the toilet paper arrive and the empty shelves just look bleak. What is appearing though is not toilet paper but a herd of assets. Clive Palmer, the billionaire, sometimes politician, has said uh, today that he'll do what it takes to get a million doses of uh, hydroxychloroquine for Australians to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. While the trials are still going on, we need stockpiles ready to use, etc., etc. And he's been in the media talking about that. Oh, why is that a worry? The thing is, this whole... Uh, chloroquine thing is a bit of a furphy. It started, or at least to start, with a, a bunch of promotions and then a, a story in Wired magazine last week. Uh, chloroquine may fight COVID-19 and Silicon Valley's into it, said the headline. Now, chloroquine's an old malaria drug, but uh, as the Wired story said, tech enthusiasts are abuzz. One missing step Clinical trials, yeah, clinical trials, that little bit. So it turns out 
that a California con man who allegedly claimed he created a cure for COVID-19 and tried to drum up investors uh, has been arrested by the FBI. And it does appear that this whole uh, thing is a fraud. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you know it? Now, people are still out there, of course, pushing this. Clive Palmer won't be called out by Prime Minister Scott Morrison, though, because he effectively owes the election victory to Palmer. We're fucked, people. We are so fucked. Speaking of fraud, as you know, conspiracy theories are uh, a thing that I'm interested in. Uh, Now, Bill Gates has suggested some sort of chip that you could implant into people and then you could use that to verify whether they have been vaccinated or not. Obviously, that's kicked off the anti-vaxxers and the one world government thing. Mark of the beast, I refuse to get a chip implanted. Uh, Apparently, that's all... Like, that's the whole thing, according to sleepy addicts on on the Twitters. Uh, A thing circulating around Facebook at the moment says, fact, no conspiracy here. If you get tested for coronavirus, they have your DNA. Well, possibly. Who's behind the tests? Bill Gates. No. Who owns 15% of the World Health Organization? Bill Gates. Uh, No. He funds it a bit. Who funded the lab in Wuhan? You know, the one that supposedly created the virus. Bill Gates. Well, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does fund viral research. Who's behind the pandemic movie on Netflix? Bill Gates. Who heavily funds vaccines? Bill Gates. Who has vocalised the need for population control? Bill Gates. Etc, etc, etc. Bill Gates has become a founding partner in another company. This one is called the ID2020 Alliance, and their objective is to give every human being on the earth a digital ID. This will be accompanied by combining mandatory vaccinations with implantable microchips. It all looks philanthropic fairies and unicorns on the outside, but deep down it's designed to control every aspect of your existence as per Agenda 2030. Now, obviously, all this is pretty high-grade bullshit. It's putting one and one and one together and coming up with 37 fucking thousand. But this stuff's everywhere. I don't, I don't want to spend too much more time on, on uh, coronavirus conspiracy theories because I did that a couple of episodes ago. I will just say, though, that ProPublica in the US has analysed thousands of fake and hijacked Twitter accounts uh, to understand how covert Chinese propaganda spreads around the globe. And uh, let's not say Chinese propaganda. It's, It's just propaganda and everyone's all sorts of mad people are doing this. There's a link to that on the podcast website. If you're new to the podcast, there's always links to the stuff I talk about. I encourage you to uh, to read and click through and share them. Uh, also there this time uh, from Tortoise, a wonderful slow news outlet. Haha, <laughs> get the the joke. Fake news in the time of COVID-19. They've been looking at this too. And uh, this theory that that the virus escaped from the virus lab in Wuhan. No, it didn't. Here's how we know, says another article there. I did have someone on Twitter today saying, look, there are still questions. Yeah, the only reason there are still questions about this is that people are choosing not to read the fucking answers. No, seriously, if your friends or family start going down these rabbit holes, send them those links or others and try to sort them out. Meanwhile, in the, the United in the United States, and here we go. I shouldn't laugh, actually. This is 
getting serious. Rick Wiles, who's an evangelist, he says that God is spreading the coronavirus. God is spreading it in your synagogues. You're under judgment because you oppose his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why you have a plague in your synagogues. Repent. Repent and believe on the name of Jesus Christ and the plague will stop. Back on the 25th of February, uh, which is a month ago, uh, Donald Trump tweeted that the coronavirus is very much under control in the USA. We are in contact with everyone and all relevant countries. CDC and World Health have been working hard and very smart. Stock markets starting to look very good to me. Well, it isn't, obviously. And this week, Trump explained why he's picked Easter as the day all the isolation will probably end. During our town hall today, you threw out a date where you think America can be working again, and that's Easter Sunday. That's 19 days from now. How did you come up with that day? Well, it's 19 days, but add another seven because we've been doing this now for seven, so that's from the time we heard about it. Seven and nine. From the time we, yes, from the time we we close it up. So you could add seven to nine. Uh, Look, Easter's a very special day for me. And I see it's sort of in that timeline that I'm thinking about. And I say, wouldn't it be great to have all of the churches full? You know, the churches aren't allowed essentially to have much of a congregation there. And most of them I watched on Sunday online. And he was terrific, by the way. But online is never going to be like being there. So I think Easter Sunday and you'll have packed churches all over our country. I think it would be a beautiful time. And it's just about the timeline that I think is right. And today, Trump had something to say about the need for more ventilators in hospitals. Uh, A lot of the numbers that are being said in some areas are just bigger than they're going to be. I don't believe you need 40,000 or 30,000 ventilators. You know, you go into major hospitals sometimes, they'll have two ventilators. And now, all of a sudden, they're saying, can we order 30,000 ventilators? Yeah, well, just hours after that, there was... An alarming message from Andy Slavitt. He's uh, a former Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Affordable Care Act head for Obama. He said, a major hospital in the Midwest, uh, apparently it was in Detroit, has reached its limit on ventilators minutes ago. They're handing out forms saying only those with, quote, the best chance of survival, end quote, will get care. Others will be getting pain medication. Slavitt chooses not to mention the name of the hospital. He says they're not to blame, and it's going to be happening at many hospitals in many cities. But he says it will take a long time for us to live all this down. Of course, those uh, very same choices are being made in Italy as well. Wouldn't it be funny if it turned out the United States is being run by an evangelical death cult? I mean, funny, strange, obviously not funny, ha-ha. And meanwhile, though, the latest Gallup poll figures via The Hill. President Trump's job approval rating has jumped by five points in the latest Gallup survey, matching the high point of his presidency as a majority of voters say they have a positive view of how the president has handled the coronavirus pandemic. The new poll finds Trump job approval at 49%, up from 44% in the same survey earlier this month. The 49% job approval rating is the high mark for Trump since he came into office. He first hit that mark in late January, shortly after he was acquitted by the Senate in his impeachment trial. 
doesn't it uh, restore your hope in uh, human nature? And uh, speaking of that, uh, in Pennsylvania, a grocery store has had to throw away $35,000 worth of food because a woman deliberately coughed on it. Fresh produce, a selection at the bakery, the meat case and grocery. Uh, The store folks call it a very twisted prank. I call it being a cunt. Uh, Speaking of cunts, and this is in the US as well, Airbnb, uh, the accommodation booking service, has allowed people to cancel without penalty but some of the property owners are losing their minds because they're not getting any money. And now they they have their empty properties. This guy decided to rant about that for two minutes. This is incredible. This message is for Brian Chesky of Airbnb. We are your loyal hosts and most devoted supporters. Well, that is, we used to be. Now with fire boiling through our veins, we are collectively outraged. We thought you cared until you stabbed us in the back and left us to die. You give us the illusion of stability, then you tear it from our bleeding hands when we need it most. You let us choose a cancellation policy, then you override it on your whim like a sadistic tyrant. Maybe you're good at big numbers engineering the perfect algorithm, designing the perfect culture, building systems at gravity-defying scale. But you greedy, selfish, arrogant, flippant, wishy-washy, backstabbing bastard, you would not have an empire without us. It's our homes on your platform. It's our face on millions of listings. It's our soul that brings the magic. It's our thoughtful touches they love. It's our coffee they drink each morning. It's our place that makes you money. You may have started this company, but we helped you build it. As you sit in your fancy office dreaming up your next billion, we are the legion that make it possible. We are the fuel that powers your machine. We are the ones standing in line for five hours to buy toilet paper so what few guests we have left can clean their ass before they cancel penalty-free. You are nothing without us. We are not numbers. We are not data. We are people. Bleeding out with your evil, unethical, and immoral extenuating circumstances policy. Wow. There's uh, been quite a lot of activity on Twitter, uh, too, talking about uh, people who seem to be greedy. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Mr. Amazon, of course, uh, who, as I told you last time, has started a fundraiser to pay his employees. Someone just noted that if he gave all 3.3 million people in the United States who've just applied for unemployment benefits, if he gave them all $10,000, he'd still have $80 billion left for himself. And uh, loudmouth chef Gordon Ramsay, he's laid off 500 staff. Uh, One of his chefs has called him a little piece of shit for doing so. It's worth remembering that Ramsay is worth £140 million but he just sacks his staff. Well, here in Australia, um, look, I won't go through everything that happened today. That That's everywhere in the media, uh, including a whole bunch of 
further measures from our illustrious Prime Minister, Mr Scott Morrison, MP. A couple of things I did notice there, though. One is that uh, the Australian Defence Force is going to help states enforce social distancing measures. Uh, This will include ADF personnel being involved in checks to make sure people asked to isolate at home are doing so. Do we really need the army to be doing that? I mean, this is this whole new ability to deploy the defence forces within Australia. It's a worry, if you ask me. Also, Morrison says there will be a hibernation plan for businesses that have to close to try to help them reopen when all this is over. Uh, no details yet. Uh, he also seems to have uh, laughed off the whole Ruby Princess carry on with a, oh, well, you know, oops. He's still being very confusing, uh, but uh, two of my favourite comedians, Kate McLennan and Kate McCarthy, you'll know them from uh, the catering show, the cooking show, and also Get Kraken, the uh, the um, parody morning TV show. Uh, they, they have helped us with this message. Hi. Um, it's us. It's Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan. Um, we've been asked by the Australian government to deliver this PSA to you because apparently a lot of people are unfortunately um, very confused by our PM's very clear messaging around this virus. Absolutely, I mean, he has been nothing but transparent about the severity of this illness ever since the weekend after he went to that football match. Absolutely. He has been nothing Crystal clear, very crystal clear. Okay. Anyway, we got emailed a statement. Mm -hmm. We're going to read it out now. Just for those of you who unfortunately are not not getting this. Mm. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. So, would you like to start? Sure. Okay. Would you want me to start? You start. You start if you like. I'll start. Okay. So, Brumbies is still open. Okay. It's Baker's Delight that is not open anymore. And if you want something from Brumbies, you're allowed to have a cheesy mite scroll, up to six of them, but you cannot have a finger bun, for obvious reasons. You can't have a finger bun. Very unhygienic, it's in the name. Okay, no fingers. All right, no gyms. No. You have to exercise outside in pods of 10. Yes. Inclusive of one live dolphin. The only exception to this rule is Bahrain. Yep. Contrary to information going around, Bahrain classes are still on. They are, of course they, they are. They are still on. We don't want those ballerinas being out of work. Of course we don't. Of course we don't. But if you do go to a Bahrain class, you have to stand very close. Very close. Very close to each other. Mm-hmm. And classes will go for 18 hours. Yep. That is the punishment for being the sort of person who likes Bahrain. So there are some good things starting to appear in all of this, it cheers me up. Uh, also, something that cheered me up today was the hashtag clap for our carers. Now, I'm normally pretty cynical about hashtags to change the universe with, but uh, this was a thing that seems to have started in the UK. There was a call for everyone at a particular time to open their window and just applaud all of the health workers. Sial Elvin on uh, the Twitters posted this this recording of what it was like from her window.
Then there was uh, an Australian senior police officer uh, who had uh, a name for the guy who was a staff at NAB, the National Australia Bank. This guy had faked a coronavirus diagnosis so he could, like, just avoid going to work. This is what this cop thought of him. And I just said he was a dickhead. He was, he was a dickhead, clearly. Uh, of course, I stand by that advice. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is. I think I said this morning, it's not a crime to be a dickhead, but it's a time for common sense. Yeah, there's a lot of dickheads about uh, the New York Post reports uh, on a California social media influencer who's been hospitalised after licking a toilet. This is part of this coronavirus challenge thing uh, that I mentioned last time, which is uh, mostly on TikTok. Uh, it's, it's suggesting that users post footage of themselves licking things uh, to show that they're not afraid. Uh, this guy whose Twitter handle is Gay Sean Mendes uh, on Friday posted a video, uh, that's last Friday obviously, uh, running a tongue across a public toilet uh, as part of this campaign. He is now in hospital. Uh, and also, speaking of social media, we apparently have to remind people uh, that drinking bleach or eating garlic does not cure COVID-19 uh, in general. And this is not medical advice. Uh, it's my anti-dickhead advice. Don't drink bleach. As we uh, come to the end of this podcast, which I wasn't going to do, but is already uh 26 minutes long. James Blunt, the musician, I think has handled this very well. He says, during lockdown, while many other artists are doing mini concerts from their homes, I thought I'd do you all a favour and not. Thank you, James Blunt. And thank you, uh, as always, thank you, dear listeners, uh, this episode uh, it's thanks to Bob Odgren, uh, Carl Oscar, Pete Lawler, Peter McCrudden and two anonymous contributors and also another very generous supporter indeed. You know who you are and and thank you so much. Yes, it's generosity uh, such as exhibited by those people that keeps this podcast going. If you'd like to join them, uh, and as I say, you you may well have a lot on your plate right now. But if you would like to join them, please go to stillgarian.com slash tip. Well, that's uh, all the edict for now. Please feel free to send me your thoughts too. Just record a quick bit of audio on your phone. Send it through. Tell me how your head's going with all of this uh, coronavirus stuff. Uh, include your name or your pseudonym and, and where you're from. That'd be great. Give us some context. Uh and people asked how I'm doing. Yes, I mentioned fear last time. This is perhaps part of my way of dealing with that. I'm doing okay. It, it, I got it out of my system. I'm not one of the people you need to worry about. So until next time, I'm still Stilgarian. Wash your damn hands. Oh, no, no, no. One last thing. Apparently, the BBC has made a public service announcement using a clip from their political satire, The Thick of It. The voice is, of course the political fixer Malcolm Tucker, as played by Peter Capaldi. It constitutes a lockdown. Right, people, listen up. It's a fucking lockdown right now. Come off it. We're not in a prison drama, are we? We are in a prison drama. This is the fucking Shawshank Redemption, right? But with more tunnelling through shit, no fucking redemption. Right, people, nobody move, right? Nobody move. Nobody gets fucking truncheoned in the face. This is a lockdown, right? What that means is this office is now an isolation unit. Do not use the phones. No fucking emails. No phones, Glenn. Come on. I've got to go. Bye.
Terry. Yes, I'm here. Get on the phone to fucking BBC. Come on. Seriously, stay at home. Please help stop the thread. The 9pm edict is a skank media production. Sorry.